Even warriors who faced countless battles sometimes feel afraid. Not a lot scares me with everything that I've been through. And last year, I almost died three times. I'd have to say leaving my family is probably the only thing that scares me the most. That's three-time kidney transplant recipient, lupus, kidney disease, and cancer survivor, Kimberly Gosell. I'm Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and director of outreach and government relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host. In this episode of The Journey Continues, Kimberly shares what gives her the strength to keep fighting health battle after health battle. Kimberly, let's start at the beginning. How old were you? And how'd you feel when you got the diagnosis of lupus? I, oh, age-wise, you know, I don't know the exact age. So it was in 2000 that I was diagnosed with lupus shortly after the birth of my daughter, um, my second child, Kennedy. I was devastated because it was not unexpected or a surprise to me because growing up, my mother had lupus. I had had a second cousin uh, when I was younger who had passed from it. So it was something that I had kind of been chasing or knew that was chasing me, shall I say, in my life. And I was trying to outrun it. And in that moment, I realized that I was unable to outrun it and that it had caught me. I can imagine how difficult that was, especially when you had just given birth to a beautiful baby girl. And we're looking forward to just all positive things. So even though you knew what was coming, I I know that was extremely difficult. Tell me about your first experience with kidney disease. The Thanksgiving of 2007, I had been hosting Thanksgiving. And I had just recently that week earlier, prior had been given the news from my rheumatologist and my nephrologist that I was going to be needing a kidney transplant. And so we moved, we were able, fortunate to move pretty quickly. At Thanksgiving, my cousin, just as fate would have it, had traveled from Texas and joined us for Thanksgiving dinner. And I hadn't seen him in a while. I grew up with him as a child, as a, as a little one. I was raised an only child, but he was my first cousin. And so we were pretty much as close as brother and sister could be. And he joined us for Thanksgiving dinner, and I made the announcement that Thanksgiving at the table to tell everyone that I was going to be needing a kidney transplant. I didn't really know what that meant, and I don't think anybody in my family, well, we knew what it meant because my mother had had one. And so when I made the announcement, my cousin just, you know, cavalierly said, you can have mine, pass the turkey. (laughs) So it was just, just, um, just a matter of fact. And so we went on about... Uh, everything that we were doing. And it happened pretty quickly because that was November. And by January, the doctors had said, it's time. We need to get this done. My husband said, you know what? You need to, why don't you call Tony? He offered. And I thought, well, dear, it's not quite that easy. It's not like you're asking someone to borrow $50. You know, you're asking them to make sacrifice of a body part. And I actually called him and he said, what do I need to do? And at the time he was living in Texas and we started doing the testing. That must have been some delicious turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Enough to make you want to donate a kidney. (laughs) You should probably share that recipe with the kidney community. (laughs) 
So you went straight to transplant and didn't have to do dialysis at that time. Is that correct? Yeah, I was fortunate that we had a preemptive transplant. So with the testing, we moved along. He did some testing in Texas, long distance, and then he did come into town to do the rest. So we were fortunate that I was able to skip uh, dialysis that first, yes, that first time. That's great. And so how long did you live with that kidney transplant? So I got that transplant on March of 2008, and it was March 6th. And that transplant took me until February of 2011. I had the unexpected uh, death of my mother, which added a lot of stress and strain and sent me into kidney failure. Oh, and how'd you feel when you realized your kidney was failing? You know, it was, I felt a lot of things. One, because of the unexpected loss of my mother. So there was that stress. And then the fact that someone, my cousin, had made the sacrifice to give me the gift of life and to have felt like I had disappointed him, like I had, what could I have done? What should I have done? What did I do to make this fail? I was constantly apologetic to him, apologizing uh, over and over again. And he just kept saying, there was nothing that you could have done and stop apologizing. And he jokes to this day, if I had another one, you could have the other one. If I could live without this one, you could still have this one too. <laughs> oh, what an amazing cousin. He wow, is. What, what a hero. He is. So that kidney rejected. And were you able to get a transplant right away? Did you do dialysis? What happened from there? This time around, I had to do dialysis. So I did in-center hemodialysis. And I did that from February of 2011 through 2014, so three and a half years. And it was rough. It was hard. I didn't know what to expect because the first time around, I you know, had, didn't have to do dialysis. So it was draining. It was physically debilitating. It was mentally and emotionally debilitating. I lost a wicked amount of weight. I was drawn in my face. I was probably five shades darker. My hair started falling out. It was hard. It was hard on everybody. Then you moved to transplant again. And who was your <laughs> second donor? The second time around, I was fortunate that I had just really kind of been putting it out on Facebook a lot about my journey and what I was going through. I'm pretty active in social media. And I had a large number of donors come forward, friends, family, people that I didn't know were getting tested. I had someone from kindergarten get tested. I had someone, a coworker, silently get tested. And then my brothers got tested. And then all of a sudden my dad got tested. And he was a match. In February of 2014, my dad gave me life again and was my donor. What a dad. So you have, now you have two heroes in your life. I do. And so you, you were working through all of this, right? I went back to work after my transplant, yes. So tell me about your job and the work that you do as an advocate for other kidney patients. So I have been a professional fundraiser, a nonprofit fundraiser for 23 years. So I had come to UIC 
after being in fundraiser and a few nonprofits and then higher education. At the time that I came to UIC, I was working kind of in their marketing communications um, development programs arena. And every year, Chicago Magazine promotes a list of America's top and best doctors nationwide. And I, at the time when I found out again um, that I was going to be needing yet another kidney transplant, I was getting worked up at Northwestern. And one of my colleagues stopped by my office one day and she said, hey, you know, I, I hear you're, you know, looking at Northwestern for getting a kidney transplant. She's like, you do know we have a pretty amazing transplant team here. And she left the copy of the top docs on my desk. And as I'm flipping through it, I came across um, Dr. Benedetti. And I thought, huh. And I met with him and was just automatically just felt this bond with him. After coming back from my transplant, my third transplant actually, was when I started working directly with Dr. Benedetti. I had heard of him. And so when I came back to work, my supervisor said, what is it that you ultimately want to do? And I said, I want to affect the lives of the transplant patients that we have here and see what I can do as far as putting together some type of programming for them and with my team. So I started working with Dr. Benedetti in the Department of Surgery directly. First, it was just with the transplant team. And so I started just kind of reaching out to various transplant patients and starting to try to develop a transplant patient peer network. Yeah, that sounds perfect and um, the perfect role for you. Having had two transplants, you certainly were well-versed to help others along the way. Then you're going along with your second transplant. Then what happened? Well, life was great. Um, I had created so many memories and was able to share so many uh, moments with my kids and watch them grow up. Then we came along and Dr. Benedetti sat me down one night. We were actually at a fundraising dinner and he pulled me to the side and he said, Kimberly, um, I got your biopsy back and it's time again. And the bottom of your world just drops out for a minute. But, you know, you just buck up and you do what you need to do. So I came home and I told my family the news and we were sad for a moment. I was disappointed because yet again, I felt I had let down another donor, my dad. And he just said, don't you say another thing about it. We'll just, we're just going to do it again. And this time my son, who at that time was finishing up his college at uh, Illinois State University, and he said, you can have mine. And I remember coming home from him, with him from UIC and we began arguing in the car about it. And I said, absolutely not. I want you to finish college uninterrupted, no issues whatsoever. And he said, mom, I have things in my life that I need you here for and that I need you to be a part of. He said, I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to get married one day. And I want you and need you to meet your grandchildren. I pulled over on the side of the Eisenhower and I could not contain myself because what do you do when your son says such a thing to you? And then you realize in that moment that you have to fight. And he 
and my husband both got tested and both were a match. And then they began to argue amongst each other as to who was going to be my donor. And my husband stepped forward because he decided that, again, we did not want our son to have to put his college career on hold to be a donor. So my husband was my third donor. And your next hero. (laughs) Wow. So how's it feel to have three people in your family who gave you that precious gift? You know, I I couldn't be more blessed, Monica. I I honestly, because I was, some days I just sit back and I I can honestly say that my family has kept me alive for the past 13 years. Three men in my family have made sure that I have been here to make more memories, to see all of the milestones in my children's lives, grammar school graduations, junior high graduations, proms, homecomings, and my son graduated from college as well. And all of those things were made possible because three selfless people made the decision to give the gift of life to me. That's beautiful. How have your health challenges impacted your children? They have had a rough childhood. And I feel guilty many days that I've put this burden on them. It's been rough. There's definitely no doubt that it has been hard for them. They have had to make many sacrifices because as you know, us kidney warriors and people that have kidney disease have low immune systems. So that meant no play dates. That meant that people couldn't come around um, in the house if they had the sniffles. And a lot of their friends and parents thought we were being exaggerative. And they didn't, they don't quite understand. So, you know, kind of what we're going through right now in COVID is what people with kidney disease go through and have been going through. So this is nothing new to us. Wash your hands, stay away from people that are sick. This is how we live. This is normal. This is our everyday life. Okay. So how's your husband support the kids? You know, when you get married, you take those vows in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. We have tested all of that, (laughs) for sure, (laughs) and some. And then he has stepped in and he has had to, you know, be mom and dad and be everything. And he's been amazing, just beyond amazing. How's being a transplant recipient changed your outlook on life? You know, being a transplant recipient three times has made me, I will say, a better person. Not that I was a terrible person before, but it has definitely made me a better person. I am more intentional in the things that I do and how that I do them. I am more intentional in how I move through the world and how I interact with people. I see and dance more in the moment I'm more grateful, I would say, for more things. And I relish in the little things that probably in the mundane that most people probably take advantage of or discount because I know just how precious life is now. That makes sense. After fighting kidney disease and having three transplants, how'd you feel when you were told that you had brain cancer? I felt like I had been punched in the gut. I honestly can say I just stopped and just looked up and said, Lord, what else? Why? 
why. Why me? We can deal, we had dealt with kidneys, we had dealt with infections, we had dealt with all of those things we dealt with and we did them with grace, I dare to say. But the word cancer stops you dead in your tracks because it is a whole nother ball game. And that was not anything that we had expected and that we felt that we were prepared for. So I really honestly felt sorry for myself for a minute. When we were going through the brain cancer, they did chemo and we did all of the treatments and the treatments were so aggressive that they were causing me to go yet again into kidney failure. Dr. Benedetti came in and he looked at Chris and I and he said, you need to make a decision. We can either save the kidney or we can save your life. What a choice. Yeah. And I know most people would make that quick choice and decision, but I honestly, Monica, had to pause because yet again, for another time, I was deciding because I had... We had invested so much into this and and so much had come to this for me to have yet another chance at life. And I was going to have to disappoint yet another person. Of course, we chose that we were going to save my life because I had more milestones to live with my kids, as Christian had reminded me. I had his graduation. I had grandchildren to meet. I have weddings to plan. And so we chose to save my life. Then we had a nephrectomy and we had to take out that third kidney. And it was devastating. And where'd you find the strength for that battle? You know, I, along the way, have named my kidneys Faith. We have Faith, we have Faith 2.0, and we have Faith 3.0. I had to dig deep. And, you know, my my grandmother used to always say, if you pray, why worry? And it was in these moments that I really had to dig deep and rely on my faith. And I had to rely on my squad. I have accumulated a squad of women and people who have not left my side. Other transplant warriors, people like you girlfriends who just rallied around me and my amazing, amazing husband and kids. Kennedy had to stay home for part of her semester of college. Christian had to come back home before starting another job and take care of me. And I'm just the most blessed and grateful person that you can even imagine. That is so amazing, such amazing support, such grace in which you move through all of these difficulties. I admire you so much. (laughs) Now that you're back on dialysis, how are you managing that? You know, that was a tough one. I was sad and again, feeling sorry for myself, which I don't do often, but you know, you have to allow yourself to have that pity party. You can't wallow there, but you have to get out. So I did go back into the center 
and do hemodialysis for a little while. And we decided that we were going to do home hemo. And so we went through the training, my husband and I, and that was intense and long. I happily turned my son's room into my dialysis den. Um, And so I do home hemo four times a week, four hours a session. And it's just part of my new normal. It was hard initially, but you know, it's, it's this or the, or the other alternative. And I will take this any day. (laughs) Um, So I've just come to terms with it. It is what keeps me alive. It is what keeps me going. I don't have a choice. And I have to ask at this point in your life, what scares you the most? Not a lot scares me with everything that I've been through. And last year I almost died three times. So, you know, um, I'd have to say leaving my family is probably the only thing that scares me the most right now is not being here to see Miss Kennedy finish college, not being here to meet my grandchildren, not being here to be here for their wedding days. That's about it. Quite honestly, that's about it. For the most part, nothing else too much scares me because I have worried through a lot already. (laughs) You sure have. You are tough as nails, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And after all that you've been through, how's your outlook on life changed? As I said, I am, you know, I am, I, I, I dance and delight in the little things in life that people take for granted. You know, after having to learn how to walk again, how to learn how to bathe myself again, my outlook on life is that I hope that I can serve as the reason that people believe in miracles. I hope that when I cross the path of people, whether they're kidney warriors, transplant warriors, cancer survivors, that I leave them better than they were when I found them, that by watching my journey, that it helps someone, gives them the hope and the faith that they need to push on. Well, I can personally say, as a person who has experienced miracles in their life, that the miracles in your life have shown me that anything is possible. And I am so grateful for the miracles that you have experienced. I am so grateful for your strength and fortitude and for the fight in you. And I am grateful for the time that you spent sharing your story with us because this certainly will help others. I'm just happy to be a help to others. And I just can't even say how much I love you and I'm so grateful for our paths crossing and you coming into my life. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If your journey, like Kimberly's, has been filled with bumps along the road, the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois can help. Visit our website at nkfi.org for information about dialysis, transplant, living donation, and self-advocacy. We're here for you. Don't give up. At NKFI, prevention is a major part of our mission. That's why at the end of each episode, you will hear a nutrition tip. 
Here's Dr. Melissa Prest. Here's today's health tip about managing high blood pressure. High blood pressure or hypertension is one of the leading causes of chronic kidney disease. Blood pressure is the force of blood pushing against the walls of your blood vessels as your heart pumps blood around your body. Most people with high blood pressure do not have any symptoms. For this reason, it's often called a silent killer. The only way to find out if you have high blood pressure is to have it measured. Blood pressure is a measure between two numbers. The top number, called systolic pressure, is the pressure when your heart is beating. The bottom number, called diastolic pressure, is the pressure when your heart is resting between beats. A blood pressure of 120-80 is read as 120 over 80. Normal blood pressure in adults aged 18 or older is less than 120 over 80. In general, for adults 18 and older, blood pressure that stays at 140 over 90 or above is considered high. Making healthy lifestyle choices is an important part of treatment. It can help bring high blood pressure under control. This may include losing extra weight, eating meals with less fat and salt, limiting alcohol to no more than one to two drinks a day, and starting a regular exercise program approved by your healthcare provider. If you're a smoker, your healthcare provider will advise you to stop. Smoking increases your risk of complications such as heart attacks and strokes. Medicines may also be needed to get your blood pressure under control. There are many effective medicines for high blood pressure. Sometimes a combination of different medications may be needed. With today's health tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.